1: Ty's got good hair.
3: Chuck, what do you think? Detroit giving up six and a half? I don't think a lot of people had that going into uh, to the year.
1: Well, I don't know how many people had
3: Detroit in the playoffs. Well, much much,
1: much less, less to be in the second round yeah. and uh, be favored by a touchdown. But I wouldn't argue with that. Yeah, and playing at home, you know.
4: Mm-hmm. I'll give the NFL credit. The NFL obviously saw something to put them in that Thursday night game against Kansas City to start out the year. But kind of like you're saying, Chuck, I don't think many people expected them to win the NFC North and be at this position. But I like it. If There's a team that I... The the two teams I'm rooting for at this point, I want to see Josh Allen make a Super Bowl uh, out from the Bills, and then Detroit with the Arkansas connections. You got three of them. Not just Frank Ragnow and Dan Skipper, but technically Jerry Jacobs as well. I know the Niners have both Drake Greenlaw and Brandon Allen, so wouldn't mind seeing them either. But still some Razorback connections in the playoffs these next few games.
3: Bet- better game this weekend, Green Bay,
4: San Francisco, or Kansas City, Buffalo? Kansas City, Buffalo. Green Bay is going to get their bleep whipped. I don't know about that. I think that is going to be a, I think Chase Young and Nick Bosa are going to be in that backfield. Jordan, are as good as Jordan Love looked last week. K, or San Francisco is going to eat him alive out west. I I'd think.
1: come closer to thinking Buffalo trucks Kansas City than wow. San Francisco trucks mm-hmm. Green Bay. I just
4: don't know if Casey has the offense to keep up with Buffalo right now. This is the, I know we're so used to Pack Mahomes being high flying. They have a good defense. The best defense they've ever had under Andy
1: Reid. But yeah, I just don't know offensively. All those uh, all those Kansas City games you're talking about, all those Mahomes games, they were all played at Arrowhead Stadium. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, they're going to Buffalo this time. It's a whole different deal in Buffalo, and especially when they're good, especially this time of year. So I'd take Buffalo in that game.
4: It's only, uh, it's only a, a warm 23 degrees this weekend, Chuck. No snow or anything, but it's still going to be uh, nice and cold. Not what they had to deal with against Pittsburgh this weekend, but – uh, I was thinking about, I know we've talked about the Liberty Bowl back in the day against East Carolina. You mentioned the Cotton Bowl was quite cold. Against I
3: don't Missouri, know. If, well, there was two. There's the Oklahoma game was really cold. The Oklahoma cold. game but was Missouri, really cold. Missouri was cold. Yeah. Missouri was cold, but Oklahoma, I think, was colder.
4: It was colder. Yeah. I don't know if Arkansas fans have had to deal with, like, the snow aspect and stuff that some NFL, because, again, you play these games sometimes in December and January. College games end in November, so it's just well, not the same weather for the most part, especially as it, cold as Fayetteville can get in other places, it's just... That, very that, seldom. A little a
1: time or two, but yeah. very seldom.
3: Yeah.
4: That LSU
3: game in 22 was about as... Yeah, you were at that game. That was really, really cold. And there was a lot of they'd shovel snow out of the aisles or whatever.
4: Well, so. you mentioned the uh, Buffalo home field advantage, Chuck. You definitely have a home field advantage in Bud Walton Arena, and that was on display. Um, you heard your call there. Um, Muscleman kind of broke down the last couple sequences with Wade Taylor and then Tremont Mark getting that final shot, and really Arkansas was helped by the fact that Buzz Williams called that timeout.
2: You know, I thought we defended about as good as we could the the last play of the game that Taylor hit a shot. You know, we ran into the screen, didn't get over the top of it, and then when we tried to switch it, we had our hand down. You know, so we got to get better at that, but super impressed when they made the shot that we did not hang our heads, that we came back out, came out of of a timeout. We were out of timeout, so actually benefited us that we had a timeout we could put our guys where we wanted to from an offensive standpoint because in reality we had no timeouts and we would have been in a scramble situation i don't even know if we would have known who would have inbounded the ball so the defensive timeout helped us get organized and was crucial for us to get the ball in the in the right guy's hands
4: even on the press break Thank goodness Buzz called that timeout. Uh, and thank goodness and he wants that back. Yeah, and thank goodness he changed his entire wardrobe at halftime into a sweater vest or sweater and glasses. I don't think I've ever seen a coach do that in basketball. I've seen it in football. I don't think I've ever seen a coach change his wardrobe at the half. I know I haven't. I've been around a long time. I know I haven't seen. Yeah. It. I've seen
3: him. Yeah, you know, we've all seen him shed the coat Some somewhere. Some more uh, colorfully when they uh, when they pound the coat down on the floor. We've seen that happen a lot. But, yeah, I've never seen him come out. Cause he, yeah, you he already took the suit off and put a cashmere
1: sweater or, or whatever uh, that's on. That's what he was wearing before the game. When he came out for, uh, you know, warm-ups, he was, uh, in fact, spoke for just a second. But he was over there by the scores table, and he was wearing then what he wore in the second half. And I thought man, he's going to have to make a quick change because there was probably 25 minutes or so before the game, you know, 30 minutes. We, I think we're about to go on the air. And, um, you know, he did. And then he came out in the second half wearing what he wore before the game. So who knows?
4: So as, as important as his apparel was, Chuck, I, I mean, you were in the building. Tommy and I were, I was watching, we were both watching on the television. And I felt like the the life got sucked out of the building when Taylor hit a contested. It was almost a double pump three And then somehow Mark put that light back. Did did it feel like just everything that they had built up to that point was sucked away in that instant when he knocked down that three?
1: Well, I think there was the feeling that, oh, my gosh, this is going to be devastating if they can't win this game. If they blow a 20-point lead and lose, Mm -hmm. this is devastating. Um, it was, um, you know, Wade Taylor's a great scorer. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've seen him do this before. I think he plays better against Arkansas than he does anybody else, and he's had some big games against other teams. I remember him scoring nearly thirty as a freshman, and um, he's a great player. He's a great scorer, and Arkansas had trouble stopping him. And I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, I expected the shot that he put up to go in. I, I didn't have any doubt it was going to go in because he was having that kind of second half um the thing that i was a little surprised by the timeout but not terribly surprised that's that's one of those after the fact things if you get the defense set and you deflect the inbounds pass they talk about what a brilliant timeout it was <laughs> um so i mean it it's uh, um the bottom line is they got the ball to mark and he made the play yeah. i can't say a&m defended it poorly I won't say anything bad about them. He just got the ball, ran down the floor, elevated, and made the shot. Yeah.
3: No, you're right about how, how devastating it would have been. I think it would have been worse than losing by 32 to Auburn. I, I mean, unfortunately,
1: it didn't happen. It didn't happen. So yeah. I, I think
3: that's what Mark, I'm just talking about the value of Mark's shot and his play, what that brings because you had everything set up for you. They didn't have Henry Coleman. You know, I know, you know, Taylor scored 41, but they had a, a terrible first 10 minutes of the game. And then I was talking about this yesterday. I know how much you love when officials go to the monitor, but but if they ha- and they had several trips in the first half. But if they don't make that trip right before halftime, put four tenths of a second back on, give Trevin Brazil two free throws. I mean, in theory, you don't you don't have enough points to win that game if it all played out the same way. So I mean, every little thing that kind of needed to go your way. On the breaks, kind, kind of happened that way on, on some of those, those things.
1: Well, it did in the first half, that's for sure. That's for I sure. I thought they played well in the first half. I thought they shared the ball well. They had a high number of assists in the first half. Their assist-to-turnover ratio was just off the charts. I thought it was great. Uh, and then the second half, it was a totally different deal. It wasn't like they were you know turning it over, throwing it away, things like that. It's not like they were playing bad basketball, per se. Um, just A&M locked down, and Arkansas couldn't shoot. Yeah. Look, that was not the best-played game in the history of college basketball, <laughs> but it was a very competitive game, and I'll give the team's credit for that. Two hours and 38 minutes is ridiculous for a basketball game, and I'm not blaming the officials. I'm not blaming them. It was just an ugly, choppy game. Yeah, it wasn't well played. I thought Ty
3: made a – I know how much you love to uh, give Ty credit for his, for his points and opinions, so I'll beat you to it. That's the way Arkansas has got to play to win. Ty, you brought this up earlier, and you're you're exactly right. You can't win pretty. You got to win by going to the free throw line. You got to win by having a lot of fouls. You got to win by by getting yourself to the free throw line because that's the best way you can score and have enough to to win a game of this nature. So, yeah, I don't like two hours thirty eight minutes. I like two hours eight minutes. But um, that's the recipe right now to to win
1: basketball games. You know, I I I talked about this on the podcast the last one, and and. I really thought the game Tuesday night was the first time where they played like they knew what they were, for better or worse. Mm -hmm. Um, This is not going to be a great uh, shooting team, for example. Their percentage was not great. It's been so-so in Southeastern Conference play. Uh, They're not going to be a great rebounding team. They had one, you know, they had they were credited with three offensive rebounds. Two of them were team rebounds. They actually only had one player one time (laughs) in the entire game grab an offensive rebound. So they're not going to be a team that pounds you on the glass. This is not a high volume steal team. It's not a team that's going to turn you over an abundance of times. There have been times when they have, but they're not a high volume steal team. You look at a lot of their certain – a lot of the areas of the game, and um, they've just been okay at best there. Um, But for better or worse, this is going to be the type team that has to score a lot of points at the free throw line, and that does make for an ugly game. But I did feel like Tuesday night they played like they knew what they were. They understood their deficiencies. They understood what areas – Other areas they had to make up for those deficiencies, and I thought they did on Tuesday night, just enough to win the game. Obviously,
3: Mark's been the guy that, Tremont Mark's been the guy everyone's talking about, 35 points, 22 free-throw attempts, made 17. But, Chuck, maybe the most important number in all of the stat lines, the first one, he played 40 minutes. He he was out there for every second of the game. Uh, A, that's rare, still in college basketball, you don't see even your best players, play every second of the game night in, night out. And he doesn't do it night in, night out, but I thought that was critical for this team is, uh, hey, he had the hot hand and he was able to stay out there the entire game.
1: Thought A&M got tired at the end. They missed their last five free throws. That's fatigue generally. Mm-hmm. Mark, um, you know, he did play 40 minutes and he made his free throws down the stretch. Um, I will attribute that, at least part of it, to the emotion of playing at home. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when we talk about a team being tired on the road, it's not just, you know, physical fatigue. It's the emotional fatigue of all the things you battle during the course of a road game. And, you know, I, 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 I thought it affected A&M to a degree at the end. Not a lot. They obviously were smart enough to get the ball to Wade Taylor's hands and let him score. But I do think at the foul line they could a little, could have been a little bit better there at the end. But, yeah, Mark was, uh, I mean, 17 of 22 at the line. Mm-hmm. The shooting percentages have not been great. I mean, they've they've been right around forty percent, pretty much. I guess in conference or a little below. I mean, it's a small sample size, but um, that's what they're going to have to do to win. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I want to ask you about. Uh, let me ask
3: you really quick before we we move on. What what did you think of the Devo Davis flagrant two foul on the on the drive to the hole of the kick? What I, we hadn't had a chance to talk to you about it. We we all kind of gave our thoughts yesterday. What what did you think?
1: I thought it was, well, first off, I didn't see it. Uh, I mean, it was away from, you know, it was away from the action. It was over in the corner and away from the ball. I was watching the ball. Um, I saw it later. I, I I didn't really have a problem with it. I thought it was all right. And generally, when you have a player, get a technical or,
3: you know, r- rarely do you see a flagrant two where something happened in the course of action that leads to your ejection. G- generally, our fans are the first to defend the player, and it's the ref's fault, and, you know, the, everyone, everyone from the conference office on down's out to get you. But I I have yet to hear really anyone that thought, hey, this was, this, this was not adjudicated properly. This was, you know, that, that Devo was treated unfairly. It's I have yet get, to hear anyone say it's that. It's
4: the give and take with Devo. And he wears his heart on his sleeve. You love him because he's an in-state kid. And he has plays and games like Kansas last year and the dunks at the end of some upsets but then there's times where you're just like you want to pull your hair and it's like what are you doing and I think there's a lot of people that get over emotional when it comes to Arkansas sports and he's just a player that gets over emotional at times so like you said I didn't and I, I will defend an Arkansas player or coach till like to the grave but there's no way to defend his actions on Tuesday night. And he's got to stop doing that because the officials are not going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Because not just this year, but what's gone on the last couple of years. I don't remember him doing much as a freshman, but that is something that they have to. I guess there was the, the hitting the backboard a couple times. But I mean he's got to he's got to cut that out because they need him on defense. And there are guys that will play in front of him. Must will get tired at a certain points like, look, we can't have this anymore. It was a one point win. A one point win if that can, if that m guy had made those free throws we'd be coming back to that play this morning and on Wednesday because it would have been a 1 point win for AM and that would have driven us nuts so they, we'll they missed those, those yeah, free throws yeah they missed right? those free throws so you just you can't have these type of themes as a senior and as the supposed leader i don't know if he's the actual leader of that team because i'm not in that locker room but if you are identified by your fan base and talked about by your head coach as the leader or one of the leaders of this team, then you can't do that because these upperclassmen that came in or the underclassmen like Pinion, Blocker, and others, they sit there and like, what are we doing? Especially in the hole that Arkansas is in right now in conference play. It cannot happen the rest of the way.
3: Well, and uh, it, 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 fortunately Arkansas got away with it. So um, we'll... Uh...
1: Well, you know, I, th- I think the thing with Debo right now is, I mean, I, I think there's frustration on the offensive end. I think that's part of it. Um, You know, he's guarding the other team's best player, generally speaking, every night. Lots of times when you work hard on one end, you get rewarded on the other, and it doesn't mean they're not looking for him. I'm not suggesting that. I'm just saying that I think there's frustration on the offensive end right now for Devo, and um, I think I think perhaps that's that's led to some of what we've seen. But you're right. I mean, things things like that. Fortunately, it didn't cost him the game, Uh, but. Certainly, things like that are, you know, you're not gonna, you're not gonna be able to continue to do that and and, and win. And Tommy, to your point about people, you know, not rushing to Debo's defense, I think there's the recognition that things like that can potentially cost you a game. And I think there's the recognition among Razorback fans mm-hmm. that. You know, this team still has the ability to turn it around, but I don't know that we're going to look at them and go, hey, man, they're going to beat these guys by 15 or 20 tonight. <laughs> yeah. um, every win Anybody. they get may be, you know, within five or so, and every point may be valuable.
4: Chuck, I know you are prepping at this point for the game, but the game before Arkansas featured Alabama and Missouri in Columbia. An incident happened on Tuesday night where you had Nate Oates push a Missouri player Uh, He got a public reprimand from the SEC. Didn't get suspended. Didn't get fined. Just had basically Greg Sankey releasing a statement for his actions. Nato's actions were unacceptable and violated the expectations for conduct and sportsmanship as established by the membership of the Southeastern Conference. I I even identify as this is slap on the wrist. I am disappointed that there was nothing past this point. He should have been suspended. He should have been fined. I don't, again, I know you probably didn't see it live at the time, but I'm very disappointed in the conference office today that they did not do anything further than just issuing a public statement in regards to Nate Oates.
1: I saw the replay of it, and um, it's not okay what he did, at least in my judgment, it's not. Um, I didn't see, I was not watching the game, and so I didn't see everything that led up to it. And I don't mean just the preceding 30 seconds, I mean everything that maybe led up to that over several minutes but obviously in a snapshot uh what he did was 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 out of line um hey that's just kind of how they do business within their basketball program I, I mean that's 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 the personality of their basketball program and i look I, i'm 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 not knocking the results they've been good i'm not saying Oates is not a good coach i'm saying that's right in line with his personality and that's the personality of their basketball program I'm not surprised that the SEC didn't do more than they did. I don't know that what he did warrants a fine and a suspension. I don't know if it does. I do think it probably deserved a technical foul and an ejection. Yeah, nothing there. Um, I, 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 I do think that. But from a conference perspective, I don't know exactly what they could have done. Because, look, if it doesn't matter to the school that employs you, um, and it, and, it, and it doesn't, I mean, obviously, within that basketball program, it's been pretty much anything goes. So if it doesn't bother them, it's hard for the conference to come in and say, you know, we care about this, and so we're going to suspend you and fine you. And I don't know that it really warranted that.
3: Yeah, I'll say it. I mean, Arkansas's bench is very emotional at times. I mean, and if something dusted up and right in front of the Arkansas bench, it's not out of the realm of possibility, or it's it's not hard to sit here and fathom something similar happening on our in front of Arkansas's bench.
4: And I would be just as critical if Eric Musselman did that to an opposing because, player as I am right now. Well, uh, is- let's
1: not play the what-if game, though. It didn't happen. It yeah. hasn't happened. It happened at Alabama, right? And we yeah. or we, it, it happened wherever that game was played, Tuscaloosa. Tuscaloosa. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, we can talk all kinds of what-ifs. What if it yeah. happens here? What if it happens here? Well, it hasn't. It happened there. Well. And that's the reaction that we saw. Yeah. Ta-
4: talking trash, even as a head coach, is completely different oh, that than putting all your hands on a player. Yeah. You would be, I mean, Chuck, you're right next to it, whether it's our bench or any other bench. I think we'd be surprised how much that occurs. But when you, again, it's the physical contact that set me off. And to your point, I know Greg Burns' has been busy with the Alabama football hire. But there hasn't, to my knowledge, he hadn't issued a statement. He hadn't issued anything because they don't care. I mean that foot that that basketball program. Can At least run, they have in public. Yeah, that can run amok or do whatever, as we've seen the last couple of years. Football wise, they bring in the championships, they bring in the revenue, so their football program is perceived to just be this like incredible, the right way side of things. I don't believe any of that either. They've cheated before. They're just not going to get in trouble by the NCAA. But as far as their basketball team is concerned, they'll do whatever they want because we've seen it the last couple of years. And this is just another indication of that point, like you kind of mentioned, Chuck.
1: Well, in in, in defensive Oates, um, you know, fans love the fiery demeanor. I mean, I've been here a long time. We loved it when Nolan would go crazy and wondered why Mike didn't go crazy like Nolan did and loved the way Musk does it. And so fans like that stuff. They just don't want you to cross the line. Although... I'm going to guess that the blowback within the state of Alabama for Nate Oates has been minimal, at most. I, I don't. I, I just don't think it's an issue there.
4: I don't either. But you get Alabama. Well, it, it, I mean, I'm sorry, but
3: fortunately, it didn't escalate into something else. Because to the to the point of the matter is, what if that had escalated into a full on brawl?
1: It well, I mean, Nate Oates would have gotten his butt kicked. That's was, what would happen first. That's what we were saying I yesterday. Mean, he'd have gotten hurt. That's, yeah. that, that's what would have happened. That's exactly right.
2: Call or
0: text the McCarty Daniel hotline at 877 377 6963. Daniel, a vehicle for every lifestyle. When you're looking for a new car, you want to shop for a vehicle you love with an organization you trust. You've probably heard that McCarty Daniel means making deals, but what I'm inspired by the most is that McCarty Daniel means making a difference in our community. When you buy a vehicle with McCarty Daniel, you reinvest right here in the community, in our schools in our little leagues, in our food banks, and our people. So you're not just making a purchase, you're making a difference too. Come see us at any of our six locations in Northwest Arkansas.
4: your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts.
0: You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics.
4: The mid-range shot is pretty much out of the game of basketball with the exception of a handful of players in the NBA and college. For Arkansas though, you've had a guy pretty much every year that plays with it. Jimmy Witt, Ricky Council, And Tremont Mark, and Coach was talking about that last night, or on Tuesday night. This is Coach.
2: I know that all the analytics people talk about, you know, mid-range being a bad shot. It's been a really good shot for us at Arkansas. Jimmy Witt, Ricky Council, T. Mark. It's a great shot for him, not a good shot. I mean, he's a lethal pull-up jump shooter, 12 to 17 foot. Look, he had 35 points on 15 field goals attempted. Our guys did a great job of of finding him. Even this two threes,
4: I know they were off spot up assists. Guys, Tremont Mark is this year's Ricky Council comes in. Ricky was at one point the sixth man of the year in his conference at Wichita State. Mark was on a good Houston team. You think about what happened in Ricky's role here at last year. His minutes increased by over twenty percent. He shifted into a starter and he closed out that Kansas game in Des Moines, Iowa. I hope Tremont has that opportunity in the NCAA tournament. He's scoring eight more points a game this year than he was at Houston. And on top of all that, he's shooting 14% better. Both guys are six six. One's a lefty, one's a righty. I'd say Ricky's more athletic. Tremont's a better shooter. They're both good defenders. Guys, I think he's this year's Ricky Council, in my opinion.
1: I honestly, I don't, I don't disagree with what you're saying, but I think he's honestly got to be even more, uh, and I don't think that's fair. But I think he's got to be. Um, you know, Ricky, you know, Ricky did not have to carry the team on his shoulders on the offensive end of the floor last year, and I'm afraid Tremont's going to. Whether it's fair or not, I'm just afraid that's what's going to happen. Um, you know, he was a really, really good player on a really, really good Houston team. I mean, top five team. He was a starter. But he wasn't the guy that was shouldering all the burden. And I'm not saying he's shouldering all the burden here, but he's shouldering a lot of it. And you got to remember, too, Devo guards the best player, generally speaking. Mark, generally speaking, guards the second best player. And then you are calling on him to essentially do everything. On the other end. Back to your point, though, on mid-range shots. Good players hit shots from all over the floor. Mm-hmm. Analytics sometimes, those the you know those numbers also involve players that aren't as good. They don't have the basketball smarts. I don't know where the analytic is for that. Um, but, you know, Mark, to me, really understands his game. He understands how to play the game, you know, generally. Um, and good players do that. You know, good players do that. Mark's better beyond the arc than perhaps he gets credit for. I think he's 37%, 38%. You know, he's serviceable uh, beyond the arc. But he's a good player. Mm -hmm. And good players can hit it from the short corner. They can hit it from the elbow. They can hit it from the top of the circle. They'll make a corner three. Um, Good shooters, good players, good competitors. Um and 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 marks all of those.
3: Yeah, and to your point, he was two of three in the A and M game from behind the three point line. So he um, he doesn't take a lot of them, and he's efficient. Too. I bet the, I bet if you went back and looked at them all pieced together on a on a clip or whatever on a on a YouTube video, there I bet they're all open looks
1: too. Well, he doesn't go looking to shoot the three. Yeah. Some guys go looking to shoot the three, and they need to look to shoot it from somewhere else. <laughs> Well, and you can tell by – I mean, I talked
3: earlier about playing 40 minutes, and that's important. Maybe another important number for the other night is he was fouled 13 times, and obviously you get fouled a bunch when you shoot 22 free throws. But, you know, there is talent. There is skill into absorbing contact, still getting the shot, getting to the line. We act like you just run in there and somebody hits you and you get the call. That's not how it works there is skill into he's making those plays. He's and some of
1: those are hard fouls. Mm-hmm. I mean going to the line and shooting a couple of free throws after a hard foul, you know, you take it for granted sometimes.
4: Yeah. What happened Good in the point. North Carolina game? He goes I mean he gets I thought his back was broken yeah. at that point and he somehow we haven't even brought up the fact that he was looked like serious. I mean he was in a wheelchair. Like the next two days or whatever it was. <laughs> so this is a kid that again had something that happened earlier this season. You asked an important question a week or so ago that I don't think Razorback fans know whose team it is. Last year, 80, I, I ask who, who's the best yeah, player on this team. Eighty yeah. percent would tell you probably Anthony Black and Deservey so. Maybe twenty percent would say Ricky Council. This year's team, kind of like you're alluding to, Chuck. If Arkansas is going to get to that point, it might have to be where it's predominantly the answer is Termon Mark. And he's going to... He's that means going to take no some, nights off. I yeah. mean, every night, you. Got, I don't know, he's got to be 35, but probably got to be north of 20. And he's going to take some body blows this year. This is one of the most physical leagues, if not the most physical leading in college basketball, the athleticism, uh, the, just the, the paint, what you have to go through to get a bucket. And that's what Arkansas's MO is. Again, as a top five team in the country, getting to the free throw line. And Mark, again, is the supposed leader of this team. That might be his best attribute is just getting guys to foul him i think they'll look to him on the floor
1: i don't think there's any doubt about that i think he's got to be their best player on the floor for arkansas to go as far as they can go um look there are some players on this team that we thought were going to be big producers who just aren't simple as that and i don't know how else to put it i'm not naming names pointing fingers i mean there's not a lot of them out there so you can figure it out <laughs> um but Mark took up everybody's <laughs> slack. Mark, Mark, Mark took up everybody's slack. And he had. Yeah, And, uh, um, again, you were comparing him to counsel a little bit earlier. That's a good comparison. But I think Mark's going to be called upon to do yeah, even more, fair or not. But none of these guys are, are A.B. from last year. I mean, they're just they're just not. And, first uh, round draft pick, yeah, you're right. Well, yeah, I mean, but, but you know, hey, that's not one thing I do that. want to point out, the chasm between college basketball and the NBA. I mean look at look at Black and these guys, first round picks, great players, I mean, as good as you have in the country and cracking that rotation in the NBA is really, really hard to do. Yeah,
4: A.B. hadn't started every game this season, but when he's played, he's, he, he's looked
1: good. Yeah, but there have been a lot more games he hasn't played than he has played. Yeah.
4: By the way, I want to congratulate Jordan Walsh, who made his Boston Celtics debut last night. He got three or four rebounds, and so must uh, putting something out him. about that. So congratulations to Jordan.
0: you're listening to the bud light morning rush podcast bud light proud sponsor of arkansas athletics
4: and we now bring in our friend tom murphy arkansas democrat gazette and whole hog sports to the conversation tom do you think the dallas cowboys made a right decision on sticking with mike mccarthy
5: (laughs) good morning guys uh that's a heck of a poser for me right to start here um I can't get into the middle of... Look, Dallas had a really good year, and they got upset in the playoffs by a team that has a lot of momentum. Um, I feel for them. I like Dak personally, and um, I hope they have a better season next year. Um, I did kind of want them to hire Bill Belichick, so the Falcons didn't touch him. but we'll see how that goes.
4: I saw the Falcons interviewed not just Bill Belichick, but Jim Harbaugh. If given the choice of only those two candidates... Tom, which one would you roll with?
5: Well, I mean, they also hired a lot of defensive coordinators currently in the league. Um, you know, Harbaugh would be intriguing because, you know, he's been in the NFL before and been successful. So, you know, the, uh, I don't know if you want to call it a theory or whatever about the, the Spurriers and the Sabans of the world who tried their hand in the NFL and weren't successful. Well, Harbaugh did it the reverse way, kind of. And so... He's proven to be able to, to build successful programs on both collegiate and professional levels. His San Francisco teams were really good. Just they wanted... beat us in the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> would the would the quirkiness work in today's
3: NFL? I mean, he could, he he's got a quirky personality. His brother seems to make it work. I don't. They're they're different creatures, but you know, I just wonder if if his personality would work with these players.
5: That's a great question, and I mean, it, it did with the Niners back when, and uh, I, but it's. The league, I guess, and you know, uh, attitudes maybe have evolved since Harbaugh was last in the league. Uh, but I don't know. With a proven track record, if you treat people right, you can get good results out of them. And um, so I don't know. I, I don't know what he'll end up doing. It's, he's in a weird position. Uh, lot, you know, he didn't coach in what six of the games, and yet he's got a ton of leverage now too. So um, you could tell Michigan is trying to work out a deal with him, and maybe that will be the end result. But yeah. I don't know. Of all the people we've talked to, Harbaugh seems like it'd be an interesting guy to, to bring on board, and maybe we can find a good productive quarterback and find our way next year. It's
3: always nice when your options on the table are being rich or richer. I mean, I mean, that's just kind of, <laughs> kind of, kind of where he's at. Hey, let's talk about this basketball game the other night, and then we'll peek ahead to, to Saturday's game, Arkansas with a – thrilling victory at the end, Tom, after holding a 20-point lead in the first half. Jermon Mark was phenomenal with 35 points. Uh, You saw it slip away. Arkansas got the benefit of the A&M timeout and Mark makes the game-winning
5: shot. Yeah, no doubt. The script was was flipped a little. I mean, they had a huge lead and you're like, wow. Uh, They get up 20 points. A&M was ice cold. I mean, Tyrese Radford just kept shooting and it wasn't his night. And he just kept driving, and he kept shooting, and he kept missing. And the lead got bigger and bigger. Um, but, you know, facing reality, if they had lost that game, that would have been one of the most bone-crushing losses you could have imagined. So, but, as Eric Mulsman said, they got the ball into the hands of the, of the guy they wanted it to and come Mark at the end of the game. I was surprised. Um, I had gone down. I had already filed my notebook by then and was watching in the media room. And uh, after the Taylor three, there was an immediate timeout. I'm like, I thought Arkansas was out of timeouts. A&M called it. It went, oh, no question it went to Arkansas's benefit. I was a little surprised they didn't pressure more in the front court. Uh, Mark had, as he said, a head of steam. I mean, rolling toward the basket past midcourt. And uh, it worked out perfectly for them. It goes through with 1.1. And then A&M really doesn't get up any kind of a quality the ball goes out of bounds. So um, huge, huge win um, for the Razorbacks because if you, you couldn't have imagined being zero and four with a loss like that, you know, coming through.
4: Tom, you're talking about Tremont Moore. Do you think he can shoulder the load that's going to be necessary for this team to keep winning games?
5: Well, he's a proven scorer. I mean, and he's got such a his game is so good that. Um, as, as Eric Mosman pointed out, his, his mid-range jumper is a good one. Uh, that's the type of shot he made there, uh, a little closer than, you know, I don't know, I guess mid-range starts around 8 or 10 feet. Um, but uh, they do need, I, I mean, Treve- Trevin Brazil played a bunch of minutes in that game, and it seems to me that his personality is such that he doesn't have to be kind of a, the, the lead dog guy, but but he's a but he's a guy who's thought of as a high-potential NBA draft pick. I would want him to be a little bit more um, forceful sometimes. You know, Tremont Mark-like and just doing, the, doing it, you know, sometimes. And I, I don't know how this team's going to evolve. It's, it's interesting that, you know, you have a really good team. Everyone has to kind of accept their roles. And in this game, um, Mark and L. Ellis and a, and a few other guards played and it came at the expense of um, um, Khalif, uh, his minutes, and and Pinion, who had got minutes in the last game, and Blocker, and even Keon Minifield a little bit. So you know those guys can produce. This, to me, has just been a fascinating study in how you take a super talented roster and try to dole out the minutes. And it's a game-to-game basis. Who's following the game plan? And that's what Musselman pointed out after the game. Who's following... The game plan, um, and and doing the things we need, and we I hope to see more ba- battle in the coming games. Uh, but certainly, Mark proved that he can handle, you know, not just a, a game-winning shot deal, but like the load of the offense almost the entire game.
4: Tom, you bring up L. Ellis. His three biggest games were the exhibition game against Purdue, where he took over in overtime. The game against Duke, he's playing basically his hometown team. He goes for six to six. That's a solid. Game And then, again, Tuesday night, their first SEC win, while he didn't shoot the ball great, 3 of 11, he knocked down all eight of his free throws, had six rebounds, a career high. I mean, do you see him being a steady Eddie, their point guard, maybe over a like we thought he might transition, just based on his veteran aspect? And he's just a, a little thicker than Keon is?
5: Well, I mean, that's the million-dollar question, right? Who? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know if he can do it because he had that long stint where he, he didn't get very many minutes. Um, but, you know, the, the little thicker part you bring up, yeah, that, that really paid off with his rebounding. I mean, he, he played bigger than his size. Um, and the free-throw shooting was phenomenal and much needed. Uh, they had a better, a much better shooting, free-throw shooting first half. Uh, second half, not so much. But Ellis was in there, and I do think that earned him more minutes moving forward. He had a pretty good game against um, Old Dominion also, and, I talked to Jeff Jones, and by the way, prayers to him um, with his health situation. But he talked about when it came crunch time, L. Ellis and and these veterans took over that game. And so we've seen how good Arkansas can be. It's just a matter of um, can they produce this level of effort on a night-to-night basis starting Saturday with South Carolina.
3: All right, so you get South Carolina. They're coming off a loss to Georgia. Uh, seventy four sixty nine. same night Arkansas played on Tuesday night. How do you see this one going?
5: Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. Um, they've, they've certainly a much better program this year. Lamont Paris, good turnaround. I mean, you take Ole Miss, South Carolina, and probably Georgia as the three teams that have, you know, kind of switched around their mojo from last year. Um, you know, if Georgia had held on in that home game against Tennessee where they came back from, from so far down and then built an 11-point lead, uh, and then Connect took over and they lost it. If Georgia had held on to that game, we'd really be talking about them uh, because that, that was a big deal going to South Carolina and winning. So, um, Michi Johnson, he's going to get his. Uh, you've just got to rebound with them. And to me, rebounding is a big, big deal of Arkansas holding on and, and improving as we move forward here. So, uh, I, I look at it as somewhat of a toss up game. Whoever shoots the ball well, Rebounds
3: and makes the free throws I have the best chance to win. All right, Tom, enjoy the weekend. Uh, enjoy, hopefully, what's some warmer weather, and we'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. See y'all. All right, Tom Murphy, Arkansas Democrat Gazette, with us on the McClarty Daniel Hotline. Chuck, it's a noon game on Saturday. Dealing with D- B.J. Mack, their uh, they're power forward, their they're guy that's their leading rebounder, I'm sure that's mission number one on Saturday is how to not get crushed on the glass.
1: Yeah, I thought it was funny there. Tom said right at the end, uh, you know, it's a toss-up. And I thought to myself, you know, pretty much every game they play is going to be that way. You can say that, and and you talked about how game by game the rotation changes, and it does. Um, And, you know, because of that sometimes, I think you go into every game understanding it's going to be a totally new adventure. And if you base what you think is going to happen today on what happened last time out, you've got a pretty good chance of being mistaken. <laughs> All of us do. I, I, I certainly include myself in that. Um, yeah, I, was, I can tell you when you fill out, and you guys have done this, when you fill out your score sheets and you get ready to do a game, You know, it's only natural you fill them out in order, the guys you think are going to play the most. You know, and you don't always know who the first five are going to be because you do this a day or two in advance. But my point is, by this point in the season, I can do it by heart. I mean, you know, this player's going to play here. He's going to play about this number of minutes now. I mean, I got guys at the bottom of my score sheet (laughs) starting. You know, Ellis hadn't scored a point in SEC play, so it stands to reason you put him at the bottom of the chart. And then, low and behold, he's in the starting lineup as maybe his best game of the year. So, um, it's still that way with his team, and it may be that way during the remainder of the month. You just got to keep winning. I mean, that's 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 the spot that they're in right now. They're in a hole. They've got to dig out of it. Uh, certainly Saturday's game's important. You
4: know, you mentioned L. Ellis there, Chuck. Must made sure to talk about them at the end of y'all's conversation on Tuesday night. But I will say this. Let's give a big shout-out to L. Ellis, career high in rebounds. So he talked about, Ellis talked about after the game, that he's never really been in this situation before. You think about last year. He played 36 minutes a game at Louisville. The year before, he played 20. Guys, this year, he's only averaging 15. There's games he started. There's games he's been yanked within like the first minute. And then he's not come back in. He hadn't played a lot in in SEC play that you mentioned. So I will give him credit four games into conference play for all the the whirlwind that's happened this year. And some of it's been on his own account. I think we can admit that. Uh, He was ready to play and start on Tuesday night. And he still felt like in practice when asked, hey, ones go out there, execute this play. He ran out there and and did the play is what Mus was talking about.
1: Well, there's got to be consistency now. I mean, that's the thing. You've, you've, you've got to develop consistency as a team. It was a good win. So it was nice to win the ball game. And now you've got to come out and you got to beat South Carolina. I've, I've never been a proponent of, of the one-game season mentality until you get maybe right down at the end. But, I, you know, I, I think right now when you're digging out of the hole, all you can really focus on is what you're doing next. And they got to beat South Carolina.
4: Uh, we got a text from uh, Rusty on the McCarty Daniel Hotline asking about the status of Quincy McAdoo. I saw that Hutch and Hogsports were also reporting that he is taking a medical hardship for this year. And then Quincy on social media said, counting me out before the doctors say is crazy. So I don't, again, Rusty, your question, I don't know the, the for sure answer on that. We've seen, again, conflicting things from both Quincy and then other reports. I don't know what's going to happen with his status.
1: I'd be surprised if he plays football at Arkansas. I'd be surprised by that. I hope he does, but yeah. I'd be surprised.
3: Well, I, I'm with you. I mean, the first of all, just knowing some of the details of the accident, he's blessed and lucky to be alive, number one. Number two, uh, he's got youth on his side to make a recovery, but you know, there's a lot more to it behind the scenes than I think even any of us know or certainly uh, dealing with the families, the doctors, the liability, the risk. We, you know, we've seen a few. Uh, who was the guy that had the neck injury that happened on the field? Eric Grange, uh, the Rutgers guy. No, no, no. Uh, at Arkansas, on the face facemask play when no, Bieleman was Raleigh, the coach. Raleigh, 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 you know, you just get certain plays where the risk of of the injury and the severity of of, of the consequences of further injury can, uh, you know, can be more than what you know coaches feel comfortable putting someone on the field or administrators put. So, so I think I think there's just a lot more to it than just hey, he's healthy and a doctor's cleared him and he's ready to play. I I just think there's a lot more conversations that go on we're not aware
4: of. So we'll see. Hopefully, there'll be a uh, a full explanation at some point. I don't know if we'll ever get that. But when it comes to his his status, not just for this year, but
1: well, at it. some point there will there will be a conclusion on this. He will either play or he will not play. And if he wants to reveal his medical business to us, he can. And if he doesn't, he's under no obligation to do so. So I don't, mm-hmm. you know, to say we'll ever know the full story. I mean, I I don't, I don't know that we're entitled to that. I, I think I ultimately. Ultimately he'll either play or he won't and we'll see that and that's you know, we're not really entitled to anything more in you know, information wise than that.
3: I can just tell you from knowing some details of that accident. The young man is lucky to be with us. Oh.
4: All right, we're going to try this one more time. Must, are you there? It's a man. huge win for us. You know, obviously we knew it was a must win.
2: Everybody did. Everybody in the state knew it was. And I'm really proud of the way we started the game. You know, we haven't played well to start games. We started the game
4: the right way. We got a lead. We kind of brought it up earlier. I mean, it can't just be this win on Tuesday night. You got a South Carolina team, Tommy, that you mentioned lost on Tuesday at home to Georgia. So they're not trying to go 0-2 this week. Guys, the SEC is as competitive as I've seen. I, I, Jimmy Dykes was on here a week or so ago and talked about he feels eight or nine teams are going to make the NCAA tournament. LSU's better than I thought they'd be. They beat Ole Miss last night. Kentucky's about as salty as it gets. There's a huge game on Saturday for Tennessee. You got a ranked matchup between Ole Miss and Auburn in the jungle i mean you go on the road and arkansas is lucky this week that they have both games at home you go on the road it is a dogfight each and every night and arkansas has got to go to oxford next week and then they'll welcome in kentucky before they play south carolina this week
3: yeah. go ahead you're just trying to play your way back into the conversation of being in the middle of the pack right now you're clearly in the bottom three a few more wins and maybe you can talk about uh about being out of the first day of the sec tournament i'll go back to the number i gave before the a&m game you got to win 11 of 15 to get to 20 wins in the regular season they won the first one now you got to win 10 of 14 it's an uphill battle chuck just to, to even scare a conversation about tournament or postseason
1: this is a one game at a time deal well it is and let's not forget i mean you can correct me if i'm wrong ty i think they were 18 and 13 Going into the conference tournament last year. Sounds right. And uh, ended up in the, uh, you know, ended up in the, in the Sweet 16. So I do think that obviously for this team to be mentioned in terms of the postseason, the real postseason, you got to rip off some wins. I don't know that you got to get to 20, but you got to rip off some wins. And, um, you know, all you can do is look at the schedule and start adding it up. And yeah, um, you've 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 it's, got to dig out of the hole. You're still in a hole, and but you're better off than you were when the week started.
4: It's
1: math, it's, it's math at this point. Yeah, but, and, and it's easy math. Yeah. too, which yeah. is yeah. nice for me.
4: <laughs> at all, and like not just you, all of us at that point. All right, last thing here. We mentioned Jordan Walsh. He played in his debut last night for the Boston Celtics. Congrats to Jordan. Had four rebounds in three minutes. And also, uh, Chuck, I will not be there on Saturday. I'll be watching. But I need you to grab me one of the must bobbleheads they're giving away. Apparently I've heard
1: that. You're you're about the third or fourth request I've gotten <laughs> on that. So uh, maybe I can grab a handful.
4: I don't know how many they're, uh, they are uh, giving away. I don't that, know either. They didn't list that. But uh, we could use well, yeah. one for the office.
3: Yeah, you got the must bobblehead. And I'm sure uh, Matt Zimmerman will have his own bobblehead now Ooh. that he's the sportscaster of the year. Do you get an assist on
1: this, Chuck? I don't think so, You no. should get an assist. He needs to buy is, you dinner. No, <laughs> no, this is uh, happy for him, Matt's, yeah. uh, Matt. Matt works really hard, and... Uh, he uh he wants to be good so congratulations to him.
4: Pride of St. Vincent, Arkansas, man. That's uh I'm got, marking you down for an assist. We got so. two uh, we got two sportscasters here. We got a sports <laughs> caster and Ryder Hall of Famer and a sportscaster year I think two or three times and then Z first timer as well. So basketball broadcast well in hand when it comes to Raise your back basketball. That's going to do it for your hog update this morning. It is brought to you by our friends at Mr. Sparky. You
5: don't have to put up with any malarkey call. 8888
4: Sparky. Chuck, I know you're uh, interested to know that Taylor Swift's cat, Olivia, is worth more than Travis Kelsey. Her cat is worth nearly $100 million based on their, her social media presence, and Travis is only worth 40
1: Million dollars. I don't understand social media worth. I don't know. But, um, you know, just because, I mean, if, if your cat's worth $100 million, <laughs> what does that really mean? It means if I sell my cat that I love, I'm going to get $100 million for this cat. What does that really mean? Yeah. Here's what it
3: really means. Go down to your friendly banker, you know. Run over there to Arvest or pick, pick your favorite bank and uh, see if they'll give you a 50% loan on that value. No, See, but think mean, that. seriously, does, that does, a collateral. Does, See How far does, you get with that conversation?
1: Does her <laughs> presence improve because of the cat, or is the cat just a beneficiary of Taylor Swift's popularity? Yeah, that's a question for a mind a greater than mind to ponder. I think but, it's the latter. I think you know, it's yeah. What, what I don't is know. social media worth?
3: And because you've got a bunch of followers, there's there's some some Adver- attached cut. value because
4: of the yeah, potential. I mean, what does it get, mean? But, I mean, it's like, it's like we, we got a radio Again. station. We got all this clout that we spread. Um, and started- I don't
1: think anybody's saying, hey, you've seen Taylor Swift's cat. It's really popular. Maybe we need to latch on to Taylor Swift. You
4: know, I, th- I think they've already <laughs> made their call there. Maybe PetSmart or another again, uh, clothing brand. for Who knows? For Go see your banker and try to get a loan against that value.
3: See how far that conversation takes you.
4: Hogcaller in Huntsville texted on the McCarty Daniel Hotline saying if he owned a cat that was worth that much, he would sell the cat. Mm. I think a lot of our audience feels the same way. again, <laughs> <So, laughs> Brad says, I can't use the word that he said, but he said that cat would be on the Facebook Marketplace ASAP <laughs> so. when it comes to that. All right, well... You got that on a Too Stupid Thursday. I know all of you were curious about Taylor Swift's. Absolutely. Dad. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of
0: Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, the best podcast in the Natty State. Just search Hit That Line wherever you listen to podcasts.